Welcome to A Tale Told by the Fire, a podcast devoted to folklore, fairy tales, and legends gathered from around the world. Well, hello, and welcome back to the first episode now of season two of A Tale Told by the Fire. It has been a very busy few weeks uh, over the last few weeks during our break. Quite a bit happening in the world, and specifically here in the United States where I live. The last episode of season one dropped on January 4th. And two days later, as you might know if you pay attention to the news, we had a a bit of an insurrection in Washington, D.C. with people trying to overturn the results of the 2020 general election for president, uh, which turned into obviously a huge deal, very scary time later that night. Of course, those election results did get certified. The following week, we had our sitting president impeached. And the week after that, we had a new president sworn in. So it has been a very, very eventful few weeks here in the United States. All of that, of course, along with the ongoing issues concerning COVID and any other number of things happening right now. So Uh, It was a few weeks off from the show, but certainly not a few weeks off from life for anyone, and it has been pretty crazy. And actually, with all of that as a backdrop, I decided that this week I would tell uh, a different sort of folktale. So sometimes when we think of folktales, we think of things that tend more towards fairy tales, mythology, things that are, I think, to most of our minds, pretty clearly fiction. Um or fantastic tales that tell us something true, but use the fantastic and the imaginative to do so. There are folk tales, though, very much that are rooted in history. They're stories of historical figures, common figures. There can be family members that we tell folk tales about. Maybe the rest of the world doesn't know them, but we pass down from one generation to the next, from one family member to the next, these family stories of things that our family did, that family members did, that help root us Uh, in a sense of identity. And we also have those on a historical and national level. With everything going on right now, I thought that I would dip back into American history to tell a story from American history that I thought seemed apropos to kind of what our nation here has been living through. And I'm going to read the story from Pete Seeger's storytelling book. I've read uh, Abiyoyo before by Pete Seeger. He is one of my favorite storytellers and folk musicians. Pete Seeger's storytelling book is a wonderful book that gives a wide variety of uh, stories that you can learn as well as tips for storytelling. And this story is from a section on American history and the story is called King of America and it's about George Washington. Half hidden among the trees in Newburgh, New York, sits an old Dutch farmhouse made of fieldstone. George Washington lived in this house when he turned down the chance to become the King of America. It's a true story. You've never heard it? The American Revolution was over and the Americans had won the war. The British general, Cornwallis, defeated Yorktown, had sailed back to England with all his troops. But because a peace treaty still hadn't been signed, some English ships remained in New York City's harbor. 
For a whole year, an American delegation in Paris, led by Benjamin Franklin, argued with British officials over the terms of the treaty. Back in Newburgh, 60 miles north of New York City, General Washington felt it wise to keep the American army together in case war should break out again. It wasn't a large force, just a few thousand soldiers camped out in log cabins in the little town of New Windsor, a stone's throw away from Newburgh. During this time, the spring of 1782, Washington might have written a letter such as this to his wife. My dear Martha, I write this to you as I look out over the Hudson River. The view is spectacular. Two miles south, 3,000 of our troops are building log huts to live in. We don't know how long we'll be here. A few months, a year, or more. Word comes from our commissioners in Paris that the king's representatives continue to delay the signing of a peace treaty. Of you, I have a request. I ask that you join me here in New York. I've taken up residence in an old Dutch farmhouse, and as I said, the view is stunning. More beautiful than anything we can boast of along the Potomac. I realize this request requires a long and arduous journey, two weeks if by coach and still longer if by sea, but I hope you will consider it. Your loving husband, George. As we know, Martha did join George Washington at Newburgh, and it so suited her that she stayed for a whole year. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, America's struggling new government, the Continental Congress, commanded very little power. Taxes went uncollected, and the paper money issued by Congress couldn't buy anything. The phrase went around the country that if something had no value, it was not worth a continental. Washington's officers grew increasingly frustrated with the new government. The money that should have paid their salaries and the salaries of their troops was worthless, and it seemed that Congress might never gain the power necessary to run the country. The officers complained. The government calls this pay. They give us this continental script that's not worth the paper it's printed on. Few merchants will accept it, and how can we blame them? Somebody has to take control, and who better than our General Washington? Eventually, the officers presented Washington with a letter. General, you must take over the reins of government. We need a voice of authority, not a bickering crowd. The Continental Congress is useless. It's allowing the country to fall to pieces. We will follow wherever you lead. Washington sent for one of his colonels. Colonel, go out and get every officer who signed this letter. They deserve an answer in person. I'll address them outside the house at nine o'clock tomorrow morning. The next morning arrived, and Washington, before giving his reply, searched for his eyeglasses, a relatively new invention. Having grown gray in the service of my country, he said, it seems I am now growing blind. The officers awaited his answer with bated breath. Still, Washington delayed, looking at each officer in turn. Finally, he spoke. I am surprised you do not share my Republican convictions. I did not spend six years fighting royalty to set up a new royalty. I did not defeat the king to become a king myself. I do not want to hear of such a suggestion again. He dismissed the officers. He had passed up the only chance anyone's ever had to become king of America. That was the story of the King of America, or how George Washington turned down the opportunity to be King of America. And I think that it is a particularly important story to share at this point in time, where there seem to be those uh, striving against the democratic process, against the idea that unchecked and unlimited power is dangerous in any one individual. Uh, I know George Washington had 
many faults and many things that make him problematic when we talk about him in terms of history. He was a slave owner, and it's something that, as Americans, we have to reckon with and deal with, that we have these contradictory impulses at the beginning of our country where we wrote about freedom and equality for everyone, and yet our founding fathers owned slaves, and that's a dark stain on our history and something that I think we are still battling with today. But in this instance, in this moment in time, when we tell this story about George Washington, uh, this is a moment that he got right, where he was offered unlimited power. He was offered kingship and adoration, and he turned it down. I am not particularly a person who buys into concepts like American exceptionalism, uh, or things along those lines. I love the country that I live in, but I don't inherently think that it's better than any other country in the world. So I think this is not so much an example of the greatness of America as an example of things that all freedom-loving people, all people who want justice and equality and freedom from tyranny, I think it's an example that all of them strive after and a moment where one person in one instant got it right regardless of the other things that they may have gotten wrong in their life. And I think it's a message that we really need to hold on to worldwide, that if we are looking for freedom from tyranny, we need to spread this idea um, about the importance and the fragility of democracy and the importance of checks on unlimited power and the dangers of it. And one way we do that is by sharing these sorts of stories that show how figures have risen above that in the past. Because when we share these stories, we become rooted in them, we pass them on, they become part of us um, and help give us a sense of identity. So that's why I wanted to share that right now at this exact moment, because I think that this is a very odd moment in time to be living in, particularly here in the United States, because it's going on. But I know we are not unique in issues of this around the world, uh, that things like freedom, justice, equality are always a constant struggle for everyone. And that living a life of true peace, which is not just the absence of conflict, but the existence and presence of justice as well, is a constant struggle. And I feel like these sorts of stories help root and ground us and make us a little bit stronger for the small part that we may play in that struggle. So that is why I wanted to share that story this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope the rest of your week is wonderful and blessed. And until next time, keep telling stories. Mm -hmm.